today we're talking to Dwight Lamb. He's the inventor of the AccuFooting, which is a concrete brace product that we'll talk about. And you'll see it on our channel here eventually. But it's a very simple product that that braces concrete forms to the correct spacing and simultaneously provides a spot to support the rebar. So very basic, very simple, and very elegant solution to doing that. But almost more interesting than the product, which we, we do talk about, is just Dwight's career in general. He, man, he started with a CDL, commercial driver's license, and he'll tell the story, but he got it when he was like 14. And from there, from then till now, he has just done and accomplished an enormous amount. He's been involved with a ready mix plant and with manufacturing uh, ICF blocks. Those are the foam uh, blocks that you you stack and build with and then fill with concrete. Um, he has a, a conveyor truck business. Conveyor trucks are, and I'm not sure that's the best term, but that that's these these trucks. And we've done a video sh showing them, but it's a dump truck with a conveyor belt attached to it to empty the material out of the truck and shoot it and sling it to where it goes. Slinger truck, that's the better uh, word for these trucks. He's got 10 of them. And other equipment for this part of for this business of his delivering rocks and aggregates, um, and he was kind of integral to to the development of this of these trucks and and the way they've evolved over the last couple decades. So really neat guy, taking a lot of cool risks, started lots of businesses, and um, and this is like a lot of concrete men that I know who started by <laughs> by getting involved with concrete and getting their hands dirty. And so I uh, hope you enjoy this. Um, Dwight's, um, we're also joined for part of this by Dan Kovacic. That's, uh, he, Dan is helping Dwight with AccuFooting and getting the distribution out there. But like I said, neat product. You'll want to look at it. If you're not watching the video when you're done, you'll want to go to their website to see what I'm talking about with this product. Very simple little plastic brace that is, I just kind of don't understand how it's not as common as like plastic shims, you know, just something that's routine. So great conversation here with Dwight and Dan. They're in Montana, not too far from us. Montana is a beautiful state up in the north, very rugged, great people. Hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Let's get into it. First off, thanks for taking the time. You probably got a million things happening and trucks running and fires to put out but thanks for joining us and there's it seems like you've got so many things you've done and are doing that I almost don't know where to start in terms of all yeah. the all the things you've got under your belt um is that yeah. normal well it is I guess um now that you say that I guess I do have a couple things going but um you know it it's it's been a lot of fun I, I guess I would have to say you know, I came to Montana in a broke down pickup and I had to park it under a tree and walk to work for two months. And I've been here ever since. And, you know, I think I'm about 42 years of being a Montana and I grew up in Idaho and I was there till I was 18 and did a couple years of college off and on and this and that, but I was just, wasn't my gig. It was dirt and once I got turned on to concrete, <clears throat> what I got going there, it just seemed like the right fit for me. So yeah, 
that's kind of a working man from the get-go. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I, I, before we talk about AccuFooting and even your conveyor <laughs> trucks and stuff, I've, I heard in the other interview you did uh, that you were involved with ICF and these styrofoam um, forms. Yeah. I've, I've never really gotten up to speed on that technology. I know it's been around longer. When I first saw it like 10 years ago, I thought, wow, brand new technology. How cool. And then I learned quickly, like, no, no, this has been around for a little while. So will, will you fill that in for me? How, I know you were involved with it to some extent, but what's going yeah. on with the with Styrofoam ICF forms and, and that industry these days? You know, there's a, I, I can't speak exactly, but I, I know there's probably 10 to 12, maybe more manufacturers of ICF in the U.S. and Canada. Predominantly, it's driven from Canada. Canada has different um, code requirements when it comes to insulation and heat loss for their houses. And so they have driven this thing from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And actually, to my understanding, Foam Form, which was the company that we were a part of back in 1980, that company grew out of Lethbridge, Alberta. And that was the first, I don't know exactly where they started, but they manufactured in Lethbridge. So that's just north of us, you know, about three and a half hours. Hmm. And that's where it all started as far as I'm concerned. That's that's the story I have heard. But anyway, Hmm. now there's a lot of manufacturing in Canada, a lot in the U.S. Um, I would think that they have less than 2% of the market share of concrete foundation walls in the United States. Hmm. They would love to have, you know, five to 10% of the market share, but even at 2%, the volume of things that have happened with, with foam and the insulation value that it offers. And from a soundproof, I mean, my house right here, this wall is part of a 20 foot high wall that I've, or two levels of foundation for my house. So my whole house is a concrete ICF house. And wow. it's one of many that I have helped with over the years. And that's how I cut my teeth back in the ready mix was we were the one of the biggest consumers of the product from Lethbridge. So we bought their forms, not knowing that, of course, as a struggling first time business out to shoot just, just kind of like what AccuFooting is here you just mm-hmm. get going on something and then you got to make it happen and so they were struggling making it happen and they ended up that plant um i don't know quite exactly but they probably had to make a change and their bank got involved and so the bank came to us and another customer in albuquerque new mexico and said, you guys are the two largest users of this product. Do you have any interest in owning the manufacturing? Wow. And the company I was with, you know, we were just a ready mix company where we were, we were hands on ready mix, but we were the beginning of the ready mix in our area. And to get the work, we had to go out and actually do foundations and pour footings and walls and get the work. And so part of that process was we had gates formed, we had concrete you know, the old style system of plywood forms, basically. And then we had the what we call PDQ, which is pretty dang quick forming yeah. system, but it, it polystyrene durable quality yeah. was the name of it. Anyway, so we got involved in that and that company, the bank ended up splitting the manufacturing. They had six molds 
And so we took two eight inch and one six inch mold in Montana and the guy in Albuquerque two, took two six inch and one eight inch mold. Hmm. And then we both just kind of went at it and started producing. And uh, it, it, it was a process to get set up. I mean, it wasn't an overnight deal, but wow. we got it set up and eventually started manufacturing. And I learned from having no idea how to make ICF to yeah. learning how to make ICF. Wow. And, yeah. So it was quite a, it was a very interesting process, very interesting expanded polystyrene is, is a, is like concrete. It, it, you can screw it up really fast. Yeah. It's like a chem, it's like as much a chemical process as anything else. It's just getting the, the recipe or baking almost like getting these recipes yeah. correct. <laughs> and if you get it wrong, it's everything's downhill after that. Yeah. Cause the density of the foam is determined by the temperature of the steam, you know, and everything that you're injecting into it, because you're expanding, you, you actually start off with a bead that's the size of a grain of salt. So wow. that's the bead, and then it gets blown up. I can't even remember the numbers anymore, but it has to be 20, 30 times the size. Wow. And then when it's in the mold and you insert, you drop the bead in, and basically steam's coming in from all sides. I mean, these ports were half inch apart, you know, and you're injecting uh -huh. steam all over on both cavities of the mold. And then that steam pressure expands the, the bead and it fuses it together. And there's just a teeny bit of glue on each one of those plastic on plastic, basically, that, in, that in, adheres. And then the density is controlled by a lot of things, but the, the, the higher the density, the stronger the block. So there right. was a learning curve of, <laughs> for us in the concrete world of like, what's going to blow out and what's going to work. So yeah. you increase the density, therefore you increase the strength, but you also increase the cost because you're using more plastic. So yes. it was a learning curve for us to figure that out as we went along. How, how did you get, how did you go from doing concrete to being involved with the ready mix plant? And when, when we say ready mix, I'm just imagining a concrete plant. Is that correct? Just batching and selling yeah. mud. How, how right. did that transition happen? Well, it, it actually happened the other way around. I uh, started working for the company. They, like I say, a wild woman got me to Montana and a good woman <laughs> kept me here. And so the wild woman, <laughs> her family was involved in the ready mix and uh, it was, it was her in-laws but anyway brother-in-laws but anyway i ended up working there and i had experience driving truck I've, i had a cdl when i became 14 years old when i went down to get a driver's license in idaho at 14 you could make a choice do you want to have a commercial you know it was called a chauffeur's license so i chose to get that at 14 because i was hauling grain from farms and working on farms and doing that kind of work where you actually sort of were supposed to have a cdl uh -huh. back in that day and so i just signed up for it so it was like i didn't have to take a test i just had to know how to do it so i learned wow. how to do it and and i got a cdl so i'm going on whatever 46 years of having a cdl wow and that gave me the opportunity to i worked for the county for a little bit and one summer and drove a dump truck for them just small one but I was able to have the license to do it. And then that got me to Montana because they needed a truck driver to haul away from their crusher. So this ready mix that I was working for had a crushing operation, had a ready mix operation, and then they had a concrete forming company that was part of it too. 
And so I started at the, at the uh, crushing side, just hauling gravel and stockpiling. And then I kind of migrated into the ready mix because I had a CDL and I was able to drive. And then at times I would go help out on the concrete forming. And then pretty soon it was more and more of concrete and forming. I got away from the crushing a little bit, but anyway, that process just kind of came about. And at that very beginning, they had already started using the ICF right about the time I started in the crushing operation. Huh. And then, so that couple of years there, we were going back and forth using the product and, and, um, I was, I was only really starting to work mostly in the summer and, and then I go back to school in the fall and then I'd get a wild hair and think I needed to get out of school early in the spring <laughs> and I'd, I'd skip that quarter and come back to work. <laughs> yeah. That kind of stuff kept going on to the point where, and I studied business and I studied ag engineering. So I kind of have an engineering mind, but uh-huh not the fortitude to sit down and get it done. I'm kind of like, well, let's engineer it with a welder. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at. Wow. So. Do you think about ICFs? Uh, like you said, you're in an ICF home, so you must really, you know, have some, you must, yeah. you must enjoy it from that aspect. But in general, I still feel like on paper, it makes so much sense, even from the forming aspect where it's a lot easier for the average Joe to put them together without, you know, a yeah. lot of specialty equipment and such. But yeah. again, it just feels like it, for some reason, it hasn't taken off and the average Joe doesn't really go that, hasn't gone that route. So why, why do you think that is? That it's, at least from my point of view, never really like hit a breakout in the U.S.? I think the biggest hurdle is that it's foam. I mean, think about a foam styrofoam cup and it's like, okay, you're going to fill that up with water. You know it works, but yeah. okay, the guys that have been in the concrete or been out there doing concrete they know what it takes to hold forms together. I mean, if you've ever seen a wall blow out and just watch it all just go down the street because it, <laughs> when it opens up, when a wood wall opens up or a form wall opens up, it just explodes hmm. and concrete's going everywhere. And it's a disaster because now you got mud that's got to get back together and the forms got to get back together and mm-hmm. trucks are sitting there and things are just going bad fast. And, mm-hmm. You think about that and you're like, okay, that's a lot of liquid and we got to hold that together with styrofoam. So the guys that are out there doing it every day, that was a big hurdle for me to get guys over the hump and say, this will really work. You need to try it. And so mm-hmm. I would get them started on a four foot foundation. And and honestly, we I say we were the dinosaurs in foam block because the changes that have happened over the last 30 years are tremendous. I mean, mm-hmm. the strength that they have and the, the way that they've designed them. Yeah. There's a lot of different choices out there, but I mean, the way they are right now, anybody can set them up and it just takes a little bit of thinking to get the length and the width and everything right. And yeah, honestly, there's, it's just, it's, I wouldn't say it's bulletproof, but it's darn near there now. And yeah, I, I think the, the homeowner, the guy that's doing it on the weekend, they, they need to have the confidence to go ahead and do it. It's just not something they need to be afraid of. Um, you know, you can pour a four foot lift on your garage and start there or whatever, just to understand what you're up against, you know? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. In- interestingly, um, the AccuFooting and just concrete in general is like a good place to start because I could see someone before they risk the foundation of their house, you know, on their first pour, but 
just getting a little experience pouring any concrete is good experience and understanding how it moves and how to order it. And anyways, the AccuFooting is actually, I don't want to say like training wheels, but it's almost, well, it is easier and it's a lot lower risk. You know, you're doing sidewalks and footings maybe, oh, I guess not sidewalks, but footings. Uh, and so you don't have to risk your, you know, the, the beautiful finished basement wall or something. Right. And you could still get your hands on some concrete and kind of see how it works, right? Yeah. So really, that's we're we're reaching out to a lot of homeowners that are DIY guys that are just like you know they want to try it, they want to do it. Yeah. And the AccuFooting just it's just a problem solver. They don't quite understand all the aspects of what needs to happen, but as soon as they see the AccuFooting, yeah, and they see that picture with two form boards and a rebar in there, and they're like, oh wow, that's like ready to pour, and it's like. That's exactly what it is. It's and it's accurate and it's it's where the inspector wants it, so they can have confidence. Yeah, what they do is going to be legit. So yeah, um, this may be like a a pretty dumb question, but I still you'd be the guy to ask. Why is it not in Home Depot right now? It seems so obvious. It's so simple, which means it's you know affordable and easy enough to to make and all that. And like you said, anybody can look at it and just know like. Oh, perfect. Yep. I need, I need 24 inches. Cause my da da da, you know, just almost like just routine. This is how it's done. Um, are there, I'm sure there's, it's more complicated than I realize. but, um, what do you think has been keeping it from just like becoming standard practice among, at least among like residential DIY kind of, and even like actually pros, but the pros who, you know, have their recycled form boards, the guys, the guys who are just kind of doing, you know, more routine type residential things so there's a lot of there's a lot of answers to that question but i would have to say i'm probably the biggest problem um (laughs) i have too many irons in the fire and honestly i probably stretch myself too thin i mean we had partners and everybody kind of eventually wanted out and so i i pretty much have been running the show since the beginning but uh I would have to say, you know, I were, distribution, um, that's a big deal. I mean, you don't realize how big it is when you start tackling companies like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my whole intent was I never wanted to be the guy do, doing distribution. I actually hit a grand slam home run with the largest concrete supply company in the world right out the get-go 10 years ago. And if I said their name, everybody would know them. And, but unfortunately, well, fortunately we did a a deal, um, went to the world of concrete and they, I had made a previous appointment to meet their national sales director and he was retiring and luckily it was from Montana. So he was just kind of tipped me at the hat and said, you know what, I'm going to do you a favor, Montana, meet me at the world of concrete and uh, I'll introduce you to the right guy. And sure enough, the right guy walked into the room and this guy, I don't even think he told me his name. He just grabbed my form. He looked it over, drilled me for 30 minutes, asked mm-hmm. me every question that he wanted to ask me. Luckily, the Lord gave me the right answers. I was mm-hmm. able to come up with what needed to be done. And, um, you know, the, the, I, he just, when he got done, he looked at that and he just turned around and thumped the guy on the chest. And he said, when you get home, you get him a contract. And wow. 30, 30 days later, I had a contract that was a grand slam home run. 
and I Whoa. was hands off, didn't have to do anything with it. I was, it was going out the door. They were going to make it happen big time. Whoa. Whoa. And so one of my beefs was I didn't want it to be manufactured overseas. I wanted it to be a U.S. thing, but they, they ensured me that that wasn't going to happen and <laughs> they were going to have to do it their way. And they did. And so we helped them redesign the mold and, you know, back up just a minute. When I knew that I was going to get that opportunity to meet these guys, we hustled up and we had the mold, but we didn't have everything totally done. And we hadn't spent the $25,000 or 30, whatever it was to actually pull it off. So we, we grabbed the $30,000 and we went to, um, to a, a manufacturer that we knew and we designed the final, I mean, basically this mold right here was what we designed and we took it over and a guy was able to put it in his computer and draw it out and cut it out of steel. And, you know, we paid the money and we had the product, but I knew I needed this in my hand when I yes. walked up to that guy and yep. said, this is what I have. And once he saw this and did this and looked at this and pulled on this and <laughs> he was just like, okay, I, this is what we want to do. And so we did that deal and we redesigned it. And I mean, within four months, product was coming in to the U.S. on a barge. Oh. And it showed up in Seattle in a container. And this was in the fall of 2008. Yeah, we know what happens next. And you know what happened right then? Yep. I got a letter from the company that they went bankrupt. Oh. Jeez. And this is a big, big, big 120-year-old company that went bankrupt. Oh, and wow. So you ne I never thought that was ever going to happen. Of course. That was like not even on anybody's radar. That would have been insane. No. That had been like a weird, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I mean, we knew 2008. I, luckily, I knew ahead of time that 2008 was falling apart. And I had some good friends in the banking world that just came to me and said, you know, you need to be prepared. Huh. This is going to go bad. And, but I didn't think that company was going to go bad. And wow. anyway, I got tied up in that bankruptcy for three years wow. and I couldn't do anything. My contract, I couldn't sell, I couldn't buy, I couldn't do anything. So I just fell off the oh. face of the earth. And I, I actually had previous customers when I had this part made, I had customers that were using the part and, uh, they couldn't get them because I couldn't manufacture it. I couldn't do anything. Anyway, long story was I got tied up for three years. Yeah, And in 2008, even our business, you know, we, we lost 85% of our sales just because we're in the residential commercial or, and commercial construction. Mm -hmm. And in our area, things just fell off the face of the earth. And I ended up becoming a superintendent in Alaska on a project for an Indian uh, reservation up there. I did a, mm. a 20 lot subdivision up there for them. And uh, anyway, I was in Alaska doing all that and everything was falling apart in, in this world. And uh, when I got home from that in 2010 and right after that, I was just like, you know what, this thing is too good to not figure this out. And so I went back and we redesigned another mold because I kept hearing, I at first we started out, we had 16 inch and 24 inch. And then I kept hearing, oh, well, you need 18s and 20s because that's the new code is 18, 16 going away. And so then I redesigned and we got an 18 and a 20 and we did some changes and dropped the rebar deeper. That's why you see on the ones you have the two different elevations on the right. 18 to 20 versus the 16 to 24. And so 
we went back and I was like, you know, if I'm going to do this, I got to do it right. So we, we studied it, we worked it, we did it and we got it done. And just in time, because I wanted to take it to the world of concrete, I just said, you know what, I just got to go. I got to spend the money, get a booth and do it. So we got it done. We went to the show and, uh, we entered some of their events that, you know, you can enter. And so we entered as a new product list and lo and behold, we won the editor's choice of most innovative product for 2018 at the world of concrete, which was a pretty nice thing to yeah. do, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of where it went from there. And we got picked up by it. So I'm going all the way back to distribution. Yeah. Picked up for distribution in Canada and a very large company up there said, you know what, this is pretty cool. We want to do this. So we did that. And I didn't know quite how much effort it would take, but we jumped in with both feet. To, and so we started manufacturing some in Canada and, uh, and distribution up there. And I didn't, you know, we were doing some here too. At the same time we were manufacturing in the U S and Canada both. And anyway, um, that company jumped in, but what I didn't understand, or I, I, I did understand was the margins that they want in mm. that world. And they look at it like they think this is a wheelbarrow and you're only going to sell a wheelbarrow and you got to make a 35% or 40% margin on it. And I keep saying, no, this is a nail. Yes. You, you know, these are throwaway. <clears throat> we have to keep the cost down. Yeah. And their price got too high and we just didn't move enough to justify what was going on. And so they wanted out of that contract and I did too. And I learned a ton about manufacturing and about distribution. And it was to the point where I just said, you know what, I know how to sell this at home. I know what to do. I'm just going to come back and go back to my roots and just let this grow from Montana. And mm -hmm. I just said, let me just prove it here in my back door and just let it migrate, migrate, migrate. And that's mm -hmm. basically what's going on until introduced my friend Dan here that is now doing business development. And he is definitely, you know, changing the, the atmosphere of what we're doing in sales because he has taken it to the next level where He's just able to do things that I just don't have the expertise to do, but I have the manufacturing and I know how to make it happen and I know how to get production done. But yeah. Dan's got the history of being able to do everything that we need to do to get this beyond and to Home Depot. But yeah, I'm not 100% certain that Home Depot and that kind of thing is the right approach. I mean, it, it is to get the distribution, but um, there's it's still concrete and there's still, they still want to ask questions and the guy in the aisle at home Depot might not be able yeah. to answer the question. Yeah, that's true. It's right. Yeah. And so it's a little bit grassroots because I just feel like, I mean, it's not like I can take a million phone calls a day, right? but, <laughs> but there are ways to get them pointed to the right thing by our website. And so yeah. we're making sales through that. And, you know, I don't know, it's, it's still, a, it's a great product. It's a lot of fun. And, it's a no-brainer when people pick it up and put it in their hands. Yeah, uh, Dan, and you could speak to this, but this distribution is one of those things that very few people understand how complicated it is or what it takes, and it's easy to overlook it. Like even the the question I'm asking and thinking, like, well, why is it not? Why is it not there? You just blow by it. But the number of people and the logistics and the 
number of, I don't know, negotiations and contracts that are involved with getting these things up. And then the risk, you know, everybody on all sides, like kind of going out on a limb, taking risks of, you know, big orders and commitments. Um, all, none of that is visible to the, to the naked eye, unless you're deeply involved with it. Do you think people underestimate what it takes to do that? Definitely people un underestimate it. Yeah. And it, it goes back to what Dwight was talking about. Uh, these, everybody that works, this is, uh, is in the field and it's, uh, the DIY, uh, person that goes out to build their own home, they set it up and then they either subcontract the concrete part out or, or mm -hmm. figure it out how, how they're going to do it on their own. And those are the, you know, the, the folks that we're re reaching out through Facebook right now um, and other medians that really have opened up since obviously Facebook has been or uh, Amazon has been around and trying to navigate how that uh, distribution would work. And it's opened up the doors in the last 10 years to other companies that understand the shipping piece, mm -hmm. understand the, the specialty of what one of these braces takes to get to a handful of people. Mm -hmm. And whether they say, oh, I can box up 10 of these or I can box up 35 of these and then I will send them directly to the homeowner. Mm -hmm. and, and those operations are, are, are those folks that are out there that do it themselves. They, they want direct access to something like this. However, just letting it sit on the shelf at a Home Depot or a Lowe's, um, many people just don't have their project in their mind and then they show up at Home Depot to, to get it. Yeah. And I think that's where those big uh, warehouse type operations are, are looking just for, like Dwight said, they're looking for the nail. They're looking yeah. for the screw and they want to move those out. The, their specialty products move in and out so quickly at those stores that yeah. uh, it's the, the people that are actually looking to do a small project or to do a, you know, look at contracting their house out, they're looking online now. Yeah. And they, yeah. they want that type of interface. And I'm, I'm here to tell you personally that since Dwight and I have been talking about this, reaching out to those people with the questions that they have, we've had great success with that model. And, and that's mm -hmm. a model that we want to continue with and, and work with some of the mid-sized jobbers that concentrate on concrete products mm -hmm. rather than being in a big warehouse because we have the technology and, and the experience in what this product does for everybody. If you just leave it up to somebody at, at Home Depot that knows a little bit about what they're doing, yep. they may not do the service that we can provide ourselves through this, yeah. as well as through a specialty uh, concrete warehouse. So. Yeah, you know, that, that makes sense. I think is, uh, is the yeah, you know, and, and the other thing is that the concrete guys, the, I mean, so we have contractors that are using this and they buy them by the pallet. Yeah. And so one of those contractors is going to actually go through more than a Home Depot is going to sell. <laughs> yeah. So yes. I'm better off to go after the guys that speak the language that I know right. and yeah. that they look at and they can talk to me and they can realize that, uh, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, and it, it makes sense for them. And now they just won't go out and do a job without these in the back of their pickup because they're just to the point where hands down, it's just like, no. Yeah. Well, and D DIY out. guys generally have a lot of time to spare. Like if it, if it takes them like three weekends to do the project, yeah. it doesn't matter because they're having a good time and it's fun and their kids are helping out. But uh, on a product like this, where the productivity can be increased for, from a pro even, 
it's like a different story because now you're, you're, you have less guys needed to like yeah. get the job formed up or it's done faster. So the pros have maybe even more interest in a, in a productivity Honestly, accelerating yeah. tool than just a DIY yeah. guy. Right. Yep. They do. It's, it's always a challenge to get the guys in the concrete world. I think we're all the slowest people that make changes. Um, we just to get stuck in our ways. We learned yeah. how to do it one way and we know how to do it good that way. So we stay with it. And so I'm trying to think beyond that sometimes is, is not what is a normal, but yeah. once they do switch over and right. try it, they're just like, okay, what the heck was I thinking? <laughs> that was a pretty simple thing, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not for everybody. That's just no, no what's way. What's the, what's the like protocol or what's the process for getting like verts in a footing? Like, let's say you use this for a footing. Are you generally seeing guys wet set the, the vertical rebar or how, how is that? It depends done? on code and it depends on the engineer, the inspector, you know, uh, um, I would have to say a lot of guys wet set and uh-huh. it's allowed in a lot of areas because first of all, they, it's hard to not do it right if you really have an idea of how to do it with a wet yeah. set. If you yeah. know how to do it, then it's easy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like you guys did on your your house that you did, I, I watched that video on that footing that you guys did. Yeah. And how you had your cross braces and tying up. And that's an important step where you're having to be critical because you used concrete block and every cell yeah. has to be exactly right and that upright yeah. cannot miss right and so what you did is exactly right and could you use this and do the same thing yes you could you just would have to, you would use less cross bracing mm-hmm. and then you would just use a two by four to line them up and tie off yeah them. that makes and sense that's what a lot of guys they use a tp system where they just they're just bracing off with the tp and they're holding their uprights and they stab yeah. them and they got it so there's multiple ways to do it, um, but it sure doesn't stop people from using this. It it definitely is. Uh, yeah, and, and that's it like, a place to tie off too. That's a problem they got to do no matter what. Like no matter what, they got to figure out a way to hold the verts in. So that that's like a part of construction that is getting dealt with no matter what bracing or Adobe yeah. system or whatever standoff they're using for the rebar, right? Yeah, actually, we, we it does give you two points too because when you're when you're going in, you want your your hook to come across, and then you actually have a place to tie off right here. Yeah, so you do have a place to tie rebar. Now these are spaced five six feet apart, and a lot of times you need your rebar six eight in, or eight to whatever. Uh-huh. And if you're that tight, you know. But if you have a fixed one every six feet, then you know it's stable, and you can tie another bar or put a two by four across the top to station it out so yeah it's, it's totally doable and it does tie off but a lot of guys wet set yeah that's cool um somehow you you've gotten comfortable taking risk because developing <laughs> products like this and being involved with these businesses and i guess moving to montana in the first place you know on a on a whim or just in a pickup like how to what do you attribute that and do you think there's enough of that in the trades these days or among business in general or what's going on there <laughs> oh man, I tell you, you know, it's a long story, but you know, CAD trucks have been my. Uh, I got into the CAD trucks because I was at the World of Concrete and I was in the ready mix business, and uh-huh. I saw this CAD truck. You know what they are? The slinger. I, I just saw one. I I know the experience because when I was at World of Concrete a couple weeks ago, I saw a brand new one. I had seen them before, but 
I was just like a statue, just staring at this beautiful truck, thinking like, yeah. what a what a feat is like better than a Lamborghini in my eyes because it actually like yeah. gets so much done. Yeah. Well, and that's it. All goes right back to Eugene, Oregon. That's where I ended up finding the right truck for myself. There's others out there now, but um, I'm a diehard for the for the yeah. dawn system and uh, and the remote drive. And the, anyway, so the risk was, uh, you know, it was a very expensive truck. You know, 24 years ago when I got in, and yeah. everybody looked at me like I was a knucklehead for even thinking that. Even the company I was working for was like how are you going to make that work? And I, I was just like, I'm just, I sold everything I had. I didn't even have a pickup. I just bought that truck and I put gravel in it and I drove around to every, I went to church in that truck. You know, I mean, I took that truck everywhere and I'd stop and throw a little bit of gravel at somebody. And, you know, when you crank that belt up and throw gravel 80 feet away, yeah. now it's over a hundred. They were like, holy macro and so it all evolved because in the ready mix business i was always trying to get gravel down over the cliff with a mixer truck and uh, the difference of what, what yeah what i can do with the cat truck so it goes back to yeah i guess i i'm okay with going into debt and doing that i, I think it has to do with my wife is just very supportive um, yeah she's she can pinch a penny but i'm telling you she's willing to to risk with me and yeah. I, I don't know. It goes to, I had a banker tell me one time I was trying to go back after my fourth truck and, and he just couldn't figure out why I needed another truck. And I was just like, man, you don't <laughs> work with me. You come ride with me every day. You'll see why I need another truck. I just can't get everything done. Yeah. And he turned me down. Oh, and, and I, you know, and I had been really loyal to this bank. And so he turned me down he's just like, I just don't see it. And so I just went around the corner and went to another bank and talked to them and they, they were a lot more aggressive and they were like, yeah, that looks like a good idea. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> the other banker found about it, about it, that I got that loan. He called me in cause I had three other loans with him, you know? And yeah. so he called me in and he was kind of like, what the heck? And I just said, well, I had to get to work. This is what I got to do. And, and, uh, yeah. finally he stood up and he says, well, only in America with a guy like this have the balls to go around me and go do this and get this done and move on. And I just, I don't know if it was that or it was just, you know, it was just like your dad said, you had kids to feed and things to yeah. happen. You just got to make it go. And yeah, you know, whatever. Now we're I'm up. surprised that banker, that was his attitude as a, because like, welcome to the world of competition. Like you could probably get undercut on jobs all the time. And it's kind of right. like, that's just part of it. Maybe they're not used to like losing out to their competition in quite as like a direct way, but that's funny. Well, I was always scary. I've always been scary because, you know, another, it was like, geez, I'm, I'm a million dollars in debt and I wanted to go borrow a little money and buy a boat. And the banker was like, what the heck do you need a boat for? And I was like, yeah. I get tired of working once in a while, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Anyway, it's just, I don't know. You know, you just got to go. And that, I, I don't know. I, um, I can see the potential and stuff. I mean, it goes all the way back to seeing ICF. I mean, I could see ICF like the first day out the shoot. I was like, holy macro, people got to yeah. figure it out. Yeah. And they did. And now look at what ICF is. I mean, you're, you're not yeah. seeing it quite so much. It's a cold state thing. Most yeah. of the cold yeah. states just, just live on ICF. But it's an R45 wall. 
And I live next to a highway and I can't even hear it. We're sitting in here and there's trucks going by out there. You don't even know it. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. that's that's amazing. Yeah, so the soundproof, huh. the structure, you know, I mean, I don't know how much concrete I got in here, but a lot, you <laughs> it's know. A and, like a bunker. Yeah, bunker. yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> huh. yeah. anyway. Um, about the AccuFooting, so how, how are, how does someone in some other part of the country get it now? Let's say there's a contractor listening who's kind of like, oh man, yeah, a pallet of that. I, I don't, I got some knuckleheads who can't even read a tape working for me and da da da. Now this could, so how, how do the guys get this right now? Are they buying, do they order on your website or yeah. how, yeah, how so do people get it? Go to Montana or to AccuFooting.com and they'll have an order seat there, but then they're welcome to call or send us an email and then yeah. we'll address that because we have to get pallet pricing for them wherever they're at. I mean, it's best for us to give them a direct rate yeah. quote on that. And then for the contractors and generally what they do is they'll order a couple boxes off the internet and try it. And then they'll call up and say, Hey, you know what? I think yeah. I'm, I'm going to jump in and we need pallets of this. And so then yeah. we ship them directly to them. Yeah. I could imagine a contractor having it be like an inventory item. Like you said, like yeah. nails, where yeah. like truly like, okay, what's the job? Load up the truck, go go through the, you know, yeah. the yard, yeah. grab the things you need. And that's, that's how it that's goes. It. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And that it speeds them up. Uh, you were going back to the crew that couldn't read the tape. I had one guy, he sent me a note. He said, these things are millennial proof. No, yeah, I'm not exactly. millennials, but you know. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, this snap and go. Yeah, it just go, you know, it just makes it happen. I mean, once you get the outside form board set, that's generally how we do it. We just set the perimeter yeah. and then stand up the inside. And you don't even have to have a tape in your hand anymore to measure yeah. over to see how wide it is. You know, because the outside right on, you just put the other one on the inside. So you, you put the inside board in, and then you put the stakes in just to give it some strength, basically, at yeah. that point. But right. yep. the, the braces yep. are the, the, the thing that decide where it goes. Yep. I usually suggest that they put their stakes next to the AccuFooting. I mean, yeah. the reason is six feet is number four rebar will sag. I mean, yeah. that's what code says. After six feet, beyond that. So we just said, okay, six feet is the number. And yeah. that's what we've always used. And at five feet on maybe on 24 inch, because there's a little more spread there. But yeah, but for the most part, six feet spacing. Oh, that's amazing. Well, we have a, um, we've got, the, we got the box, by the way, it arrived. So oh, yeah. I, I haven't seen him yet. My, my mom has got our mail and she's been, she, I haven't oh. crossed paths with her. But in any case, we do have a project. This is like a spoiler alert for our audience, but we do have a little project coming up that we haven't announced or shared yet where we'll be able to kind of, uh, showcase these a little bit and i'm kind of excited about it because like i said this is not for what for all the reasons you described this is not something people see every day and yet the first time i saw it and i it was just kind of like duh of course yeah. like almost, you almost just assume you already knew it it's like it's like when you hear a good song and you're like oh i could have thought of that yeah and it's like well why didn't you then <laughs> it's like because it's, <laughs> it's hard <laughs> yeah i think that happens a lot with innovation i think uh guys come up with stuff a lot i mean you know yeah. there's things out there that people just they they should have followed through on but yeah i don't know we just follow through on it and uh try to make it happen and move forward with it and that's amazing. Well, um, we may have, I may have you back on Dwight because in a month I'm actually going to the CAS in Eugene, their factory and the, the owner, I can't remember his name, Arlen maybe is going to mm -hmm. give me a 
tour of kind of how those trucks are put together and some demonstrations. And uh, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. And I'd love to just go do a full conversation just about those trucks and everything they're capable of and how they've kind of changed that part of the, I don't know, taken over. They put dump trucks out of work in some regards, you know, and, and yeah. probably a lot of other uh, labor <laughs> as yeah. well. So how many trucks are you up to now? And maybe just tell people about that side of your business and then we'll let you get back to your day. Uh, well, we have 10 slinger trucks right now. And then we have what originally it's called a recon, um, which is a tracked truck. Basically, oh. it's got a hopper with a slinger on it. They call it an ATP. Other parts of the world call it um, something else. But anyway, uh, it's so 10 of those. Um, then we have a telebelt, which is like a concrete pump truck, which is a great big conveyor that has a 106 foot conveyor that'll drop six inch rock out of a 14 inch hose so you can literally reach down over the house or next to it or down to the lake or whatever and actually drop material out of a boot out of a hose wow and so we feed that with the cad trucks because it has to be kind of like a mixer feeding a pump truck so trucks feed that um and then we run you know seven or eight dump trucks and belly dumps and amazing and stuff and and I was in the excavation business a lot, but uh, I'm I'm on my last riprap job right now today, as far as I'm oh. concerned. So we have a crew down working on the river, but you know, it takes two years to get the permit, and so I didn't want to let these folks down and bail out on them. So I'm doing the work, but wow, I, I'm just the business is growing so much in the trucking world that my son uh, is managing that, and we have a dispatch, and we have about. 20 plus employees there and so that trucking side is definitely a going concern and yeah anyway the slingers they just are problem solvers for every aspect of gravel you know and people look at it like oh man that's expensive it cost me you know 100 bucks more i'm like yeah okay well you didn't go to the chiropractor three times <laughs> <Yeah>. and, and <laughs> you know and the job got done in one afternoon real quick yeah. and it's just a problem solver and it's an evolution uh it took us a while to get i mean look at it uh, we have 10 or 11 trucks here now and there's a few other odd guys that have come in and and they're competing, but they're really guys that were my customers that just said, man, I want to take some, I want some of my work back that you're taking mm-hmm. away from me. Yeah. So they would buy a truck and they're specifically just trying to do their own work. Sure. And which is great. I mean, to me, you, you, you've seen an excavator on every job in town, haven't you right now? Uh, oh yeah. Used to be that they were rubber tired backhoes. Okay? Right. So yes. 30 years ago, everybody had a rubber tired backhoe. Now you just about can't find one. Everybody's got an excavator. So evolution of digging has changed just like evolution of putting backfill back in or landscaping. Instead of just dumping it with a dump truck, you just take a CAD truck and spend an extra hour, hour and a half and the job's done instead of bringing in X amount more equipment and doing this and that, which is great for the guy that has to do it that way. And some jobs, like the job I'm doing right now, the riprap, I can't even use my CAD truck. I mean, I'm, I can't put that rock through there right? and I just have to do it the old school. I'm doing it with skid steer and a backhoe or an excavator, but huh. it's just evolution and yeah. down the road, you'll see more of it. And 
we've just saturated our market with them here. But I think more than saturated, we've educated the people yeah. on how to do it. And I helped start this business, CAD business in Phoenix, in Las Vegas, in Boise, and wow. here. And I'm just happy to be here now, just in Montana. And I, the, the bigger the bigger cities, it's difficult because, um, I mean, there's more money to be made there, but the word of mouth and taking care of the customers, um, yeah. I, I, I like that part of it. I, mm -hmm. I guess I'm happy to live in Montana and have fewer customers and make less money, but I have the satisfaction of helping people and yeah they love it you know? yeah you're building your local community there like right. you probably drive through town and just like did, yeah. did, did, just kind of like point out every property you improved and every foundation well, it, you put in yeah. and everybody knows what a cat truck is here in yeah <laughs> yeah that's amazing yeah. well i i love it keep it up we're going to link to accufooting and our listeners can keep a uh, paying attention because like i said we'll do a, a deeper show and tell here as we start pouring this footing on this upcoming project and uh man thanks for both of you for taking the time to come on our program here and um like i said when i get a closer look at at the um Cass and eugene their facility and stuff i may uh i may kind of bug you again after i learn more about that whole conveyor truck because man they can take their new ones that now they've got the blower one that's like a trailer that blows i think he said two inch rock just with like air I, I don't even understand how that could be possible but uh, they figured it out yeah they figured it out it's a challenge but it, it's they got it figured out so. yeah all right well thanks for coming on guys we'll link to all your uh, channels here and for the listeners um check the descriptions for details on how to get a closer look at these products thanks dwight thanks dan yeah you bet thank you thank you nick all right yep. all right